We are in week one of, of a new talk series that we, are, that we are kicking off called Heart Attack, or as, as we would put it, Heart Under Attack. And uh, I don't know how you feel about, about what, you have been, what you have been seeing so far on the content that we want to bring to you guys this month. Um, have you ever been in this place where there's been certain thoughts that have been going through, through your mind for, for days? And then those days become weeks and those weeks become months and like you're just churning those thoughts out better and you just want them those thoughts to kind of fully kind of get kind of mature and then bring those thoughts out in those conversations do you ever feel that way okay two people three people not bad uh, I don't know if you raise your hand I can't see you because your camera is off uh, by the way I feel a bit offended so when Pastor Keith is online, all you guys switch on your cameras, eh? I think, I think I'll just put a picture of Pastor Keith over here. Neeraj, why are you laughing? Your camera is off, man. I don't want to bring in a guest speaker every Sunday just so that I can see your lovely faces, okay? I mean, uh, we, I would love that because I get to take a break. And I, I get to sit back and enjoy with you guys. But come on, sometimes being here, just seeing some blank screens, it's not, it's not the best of the feelings. I'm just, I'm just putting myself out there. Andy Asha, so good to see you after so many days. It's good to see you guys. Hey, let's do this together, okay? Forget the awkwardness. I think we've been on Zoom long enough to know that we really are not gonna judge you if you're not dressed up. We really are not gonna, like, you know, curse you or, or, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, we, we can't curse you. Uh, we better not. Vipin, what am I talking? We better not. But come on, man. Let's, let's break this barrier of this awkwardness of this video on, video off and everything. Yeah, Raj, you and me need to have a separate conversation all together about how you are just so... I feel Raj was not in Pune the entire 2020. Like that's one conversation that I keep having with him. I, I was like, bro, were you even in Pune the entire last year? Okay, but before I get distracted and get talking about a whole bunch of other things, week one of Heart Attack, uh, and the reason I'm, I'm started off with thoughts is this is something that God dropped uh, in my heart at the beginning of this year. That as a church, as a community, as we are journeying uh, through, through life and especially through the pandemic, one of the key essential areas of our life that we really need to focus on is our heart. And, and if it's not too much to ask you to, to keep the chat going as well, you know, one of the key areas of our, heart, uh, of our life is our heart. And, and at the beginning of this year, we, we have shared the promise, right? The, the promise that we, we kind of are still believing. And I wanna encourage you, don't give up on that promise. You and me, God is still telling us and calling us to be the radiant ones. You are still the radiant ones. You say, Ninad, how, why would you say that when things around us are so grim? Because you have the hope in you. You have that light in you. The person of Jesus Christ is alive in you and through you during the most darkest seasons that humanity is ever facing. And that is why... Rishi, Simi, Harry, Julianne, Denzil, Snehal, you are the radiant ones. I am the radiant one. I desire to be the radiant ones even when I feel helpless because I know when Christ is in me, the living hope, I carry the living hope wherever you and me are placed. And so the promise of, of being the radiant one and seeking God is still alive for the community of zealous. Somebody say amen to that, come on. The promise of, of being the radiant one is still alive. You, you, Pune might be going through one of the worst times of, of that we have ever faced, but I wanna tell you, as his people, the promise for you is still alive. But the promise has a process. We, we covered that last, last few weeks. And, and the process of seeking God is so important, right? And, and when we looked at that, based on that is, is something that God started speaking to me. He's like, Nanad, if you really wanna seek God, the Bible gives you a hack, if I would say. The Bible gives you a hack of how you and me can seek God. 
the bath and we'll cover that and with all that in mind i want to just tell you that the next four weeks that we're going to be diving into is going to be a time of deep soul searching heart shaping and spirit refreshing weeks ever i believe that in jesus name I believe that fully in Jesus name for every single one of you because God is willing to speak to you in a very specific manner. Okay, how many of you really want God to speak to you in a specific manner? I mean, uh, okay, that's good. Psalm 23 is good. John 3:16 is good. You know, Romans is good. You know, all that is fantastic. But God, I need specifics in my life right now. Anybody saying that? Anybody? Is that the cry of your heart? I want to tell you, Jesus wants to speak to you in a very specific manner through this next four weeks. But I have a disclaimer for you. I have a disclaimer. I have a disclaimer. I have a disclaimer. And I'll say that again. I have a disclaimer for you. Don't waste these next four weeks by just tuning in and consuming content. Don't waste the next four weeks by just tuning in and just consuming by what's happening around on this Zoom call every Sunday evening. But allow your mind, allow your spirit, and allow your hearts to fully engage. Can somebody type engage in chat? Fully engage. Fully engage with what God wants to do in you. And, so, and one of the ways how I, I think you can do that, and Vipin, maybe you can help me put this up, is cut the distractions fully engage and participate what's happening on this call right now what's happening in this particular conversation right now i know you might be on a different platform if you're on youtube that's okay just find somebody on youtube who's watching along with you and engage or if you want to hop on back to zoom do that but whatever we are doing for the next four weeks i want to request you i want to encourage you participate in what we are doing dive in get engaged like let's get talking you know let's 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 kind of move past the awkwardness of these digital things because this is here to stay for the next few months right this is this is how we're going to be interacting with each other for the next few months so if you think you're feeling awkward think about me who's standing on this side speaking to a screen not even hearing what you guys are saying to me I mean, that's the definition of awkward, all right? If you thought just switching on your camera was awkward, but let's pray and commit the next few minutes into God's hands. So God, I pray every single person who's watching this, Lord, our hearts, our minds, and our spirits, let it be receptive and open to what you want to do through the next four weeks, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You know, I started prepping for this series in the month of Jan. And, and the reason I, I'm saying this to you is because there are some conversations between you and God that take time before they are fully processed. There are some conversations that you and God need to continue having which are not fully there yet. And, and I felt this was one of the conversations where Jesus, when, when, when the Holy Spirit dropped the promise for the radiant uh, ones for, for 2021, I, uh, the journey to, to being the radiant ones begins with the heart. The journey to be the radiant one begins with the heart. And, and I don't know if you have ever wondered or asked this question to yourself, okay? What's the point of all this Christianity? Anybody ask this question? Okay, I'm going to put my both hands up just so that... Uh, yeah, thank you, Simi. Thank you, Julianne. What's the point of this whole Christianity, man? I, sometimes I just don't get it. What's the point of, of, what's this big deal about this thing called the church? What's this big deal about this bunch of people who come every Sunday, even on a digital platform, give, sacrifice their Sunday mornings or their Sunday evenings and kind of come together week after week? I don't know if you have ever felt that you've been doing everything right by this book called the Bible and still your life is in a mess. I don't know if you have ever felt like you, you, attending all the Zoom calls, you've been attending all the prayer meetings, you, you, you desire to be a part of this God-centered community, and you still keep facing the same challenges over and over again. Or if I may say, sometimes they get even worse. Am I talking to somebody tonight? Right, two people. Okay, not bad, God. That's, that's all that I need. You've been... 
don't know if you fall in this category, okay? You've been praying diligently. You have been reading the scriptures. You've been giving financially towards the church. And maybe you've been doing everything right that a committed follower of Christ should be doing. But you still feel that there's this void within you. You still feel that there is something not right. And, and you feel like you keep failing. And you, you, you keep falling back into the same problems that you had in 2012, in 2015. 2016, 2019, and maybe even 2020. It's like those, it's like this loop of problems are just going on in your life. You feel this void. Can I tell you something? The impact of the gospel message is for your past, it's for your present, and it is for your future. Past, present, future. I know this is not an English class, but I just want to tell you the gospel message impact is for your past, for your present, and for your future. And, and all that Jesus has ever done for us is not to make us this bunch of religious fanatics. Jesus has not called you to be a bunch of religious fanatics. Okay, we are called to bear the image of Christ. Come on, somebody type that out in chat. The image of Christ. We are called to reflect his glory. We are called to reflect his radiance. We are called to be the aroma of his, of his love in the places and the settings where Jesus has positioned you. Where Jesus has positioned you. And, and, be, and being a Christ follower is a matter of the heart and not your head. Being a Christ follower is a matter of the heart and not your head. And, and some of you are going to be like, hey, Nina, that means I don't need to think anything. Huh? That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes I think we end up thinking a bit too much. I think we end up putting a bit too much explanation, too much reasoning, too much logical understanding, too much facts and too much theories and, and too much of text and information and content download. It's all up here. What about here? Can, can somebody put your, your hand on your heart? I was going to say heart on your hand. Uh, this is what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks, including this Sunday. Because the journey of seeking God begins with your heart. The journey of seeking God begins with your heart. And I want to encourage you, God has dropped some amazing truths for this community and that, and that I'm so challenged, I'm encouraged and empowered to bring this to you. And I so hope you can really take notes. If you guys want uh, sermon notes by the end of this, just feel free to uh, shoot a DM on, on chat. We would love to give you these notes for your personal study, for your personal time. If you need these notes, we would love to share this with you. We've got a, if you have forgotten, we've got a podcast that you can, we've got a podcast that you can tune into, recap, listen to it again, and kind of you know, take down notes for your weekly devotion. And see, the problem is, like I said, the journey of seeking God begins with your heart. But that's where the real problem lies. Our hearts are so consumed with the things that are going on around us. Our hearts that are so consumed, they're, they're filled with so many distractions. They're filled with this chaos and this panic that is going on around us. And in most cases, we find ourselves not keen to allow the gospel message to impact our heart. We tend to become very comfortable with the routines and the practices of the gospel. Routines and the practices of the gospel, that's what excites us sometimes. Oh, being a part of the Zoom call, okay, let's do it. Uh, what happened at that Zoom call? I don't know, I was a part of it. Uh, okay, quiet time with God, let's do it. All right, reading the Bible, let's do it. Okay, what's the outcome of that? I don't know. You don't know. You have been doing it, you have been participating, you have been engaging, you have been doing everything right. But we become so comfortable with the routines of the gospel, leaving the essence out of it. Leaving the essence out of it. And, and in order for our lives to be transformed by Jesus, the impact of the scripture needs to shift from our head to our hearts. So let me ask you this simple question. And, and, and get your fingers ready, get your, get your mind ready, because this is going to be a very simple thing and I'm going to ask you. What is the gospel according to you? If, you? if you have to explain it in one sentence, one word, 
couple of phrases. What is the gospel according to you? If somebody asks you, hey buddy, you go to church, you read the Bible, you call yourself a Christian, you call yourself a Christ follower. Let me ask you this question. What is this whole thing about the gospel that you guys keep talking about? What is this thing called the good news? What is this thing called? Okay, there you go, Neeraj. What is this good news that you keep talking about? Can you tell us in one word, in one or a few sentences, what is this gospel to you? I love the, I love the, the, the responses that are coming up in chat. Keep that going, guys. It's, the, it's God's guidance to man. It is your hope. It is love. It is food for the heart. It is the undeserving grace. Some beautiful, fantastic answers. And, and the scripture puts it that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's what Romans 1.18 says, right? It, so, so, the scripture also says that God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for you and me so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is a scriptural understanding, but I love one, one of the ways of how somebody put what the gospel is. And, and you'll, you'll see that come up in chat. One of the ways of putting what the gospel is this. You are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe, yet you are more accepted and loved than you ever dared hope at the same time because Jesus lived and died in your place. I love, I love, how, I love how somebody put this in writing. The gospel message is that Jesus Christ, by his spirit, lives in us. He lives in you. The gospel message is that he is our constant companion whose power is at work within us. The good news is yes. that we are given the gift of this radical acceptance and this radical indwelling. And that is possible because of what Jesus has done for each one of you. Has done for each one of you. And, and one of the famous stories uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the New Testament Gospels that, that Jesus has ever shared with the people was the story of the lost son. Or, or so, like some of you would know it, the story of the prodigal son, right? And it's a fantastic story where we get, we get these three characters, a father and who's got these two sons, uh, who's got the older son and who's got the, young, uh, who's got the younger brother. And I always wondered, I don't know if you wondered, I was like, okay, where's the mother in this story? I don't know if you thought that, but, but okay, let's not get distracted. But there's a father, there's an older son, younger, younger brother, and the story goes like this, this younger dude, he says, okay, he hits his teens or he hits his adulthood. He's like, dad, I need everything, whatever has been assigned by you to my name, I need it and I need it right now. Some of you feel are remembering your conversations with your parents, right? I need it right now, right? And come on, don't give me that innocent look. We all have been there where we have been a brat and asked our parents for things that we never deserved, but our parents were kind enough to still give it to us, right? And so this younger, younger brother is doing that. And, and the father, who's got this generous heart, he just says, okay, son, if this is what you want, this is it, go for it. He takes all, all his wealth, goes off partying, does all the possible things in the world that is out there. And, and if he was there, like maybe he must be hopping cities, uh, um, you know, traveling and doing all kinds of things, sleeping around, wasting his money, wasting his father's money. And he does all of that and he comes to a place where he's left with nothing. And, and then he's forced to, to kind of even Think about what he's going to eat because he's wasted all, his, all the resources that the father had given to him. And, and I'm kind of paraphrasing a whole bunch of verses that are mentioned in Luke 15. Uh, but you go back and read that. And, and it so happens that he comes to his senses where he realizes that, man, I was in a much better place when I was staying in my father's house. At least I had the basic provisions in place and no, I, I did not have to struggle for the basic necessities. And he decides, you know what, I'm gonna go back, I'm gonna say sorry to dad, I've messed up, I wanna own up my faults, and he does that. And I love that about the younger brother, that he comes to his senses. But most of the times, we have spoken so much, 
or you have heard so much about the about the younger brother, right? Tonight we are going to be talking about the elder brother. We are going to be talking about the elder brother. Can somebody type that elder brother? We're going to be talking about the elder brother. We're going to be talking about the elder brother because what's recorded in these few verses about the heart of the elder brother, it is crazy. It is crazy and I don't know about you, but it signifies so much about me. So much about, not because I'm an elder brother to Neville, but Neville, are you there on this call? He's there, right? I just saw him. Uh, but all of us have this lifestyle of an elder brother as we are growing up in our Christian faith. I'll tell you what that is. The elder brother becomes angry. He's, he's disturbed by the father accepting him. And, and kind of he's like, the father wants to give a treat because the son decides to come back. And the elder brother has no clue what the heck is happening. He's like, man, dad, I've been here. I didn't run away. I didn't waste my resources. I stayed at home. I was faithful to you. I was working for you. All that I'm getting is me witnessing a, a party that is thrown out for my younger brother who was like, he didn't even think twice before walking out with all your resources. And all I get is this. I mean, he feels betrayed, he feels hopeless, he's angry with the father and all of that. Now, I'm paraphrasing a few things, but this story highlights the two most obvious approaches we see today in our times. And I'm calling this talk piece by piece. Piece by piece. See, one piece is the piece of irreligion. And the other piece is the piece of religion. Now, if you're taking down notes, these are the two main things that we're going to be talking about this evening. Both of these have been highlighted here when we understand the nature of the two kinds of sons. See, we tend to think that there are two ways to relate with God. Two ways to relate with God. We think, okay, I need to follow God according to his will, according to everything that he asked me to do. That's, that's one way. And the second way, you think that, okay, I want to just live my life and do my own thing. You do you, bro. Like, and all of those fancy taglines and, and those fancy lines that we come up with, uh, you know, you do your own thing. We also tend to think that there are two ways as to how we reject Jesus as our savior. Now, this is, this is the key for what I'm sharing with you. There are two ways how we think we reject Jesus as our Savior. We reject God. Well, the first is when we reject God's standards and God's law, and we, you live as you seem, you seem to think it's all right. The second one is you think you're obeying God's standards and commands. You're by being really righteous, by being this moral person. So as you think and we think that we can earn our own salvation. We think we can earn our own salvation by good works. And, and we think that there are these two pieces that are playing a part when it comes to you and me relating to God. Religion and irreligion. But what if I told you that there is a third piece? There is a third piece, and the third piece is called the gospel. The third piece is called the gospel. See, the gospel offers a whole new way between irreligion at one hand and religion, moralism, legalism on the other. If you think Christianity is just about being a moral person, you, you, have, you have not really understood Christian faith. If you think Christianity is just about following a bunch of rules and, and, and kind of living and obeying God's law uh, just so that you think you can earn your salvation, we are missing out on the entire point of Christianity. And see, because irreligion is very easy to spot. We'll talk about it a bit later. The truth is, you and I tend to always lean on these extreme signs. It's either irreligion where you live as how you want or is this religion where you think your good works, your efforts, it's all about you, 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 even when it comes to God. And we think religion and irreligion is these ways how we can connect to God. But the gospel message opposes both of them. Can you say the gospel opposes both? The gospel opposes both. The gospel, as much as it challenges the status quo of a religious approach, 
It, it also bashes the irreligion within us. And, and if our lives have to be shaped by the good news of Jesus Christ, we need to have our hearts soaked in the gospel. See, we really cannot seek God when it comes to seeking God. If our hearts are not involved, we really cannot seek God. I'm going to ask you something, okay? I know this is going to be one of your favorite devotional verses, Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, all those guys who get excited when this verse comes up. Yay, this is me, bro! <laughs> you know, for I, this is what it says, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Oh, sounds so good, Jesus. I, I don't mind that. I, I like a plan for the future. I want some hope. Let's read verse 13, what it says. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. How many of you skipped verse 13? I did in my initial years when I was reading because I got so excited about 29-11, you forget what comes in verse 12 and 13. We really cannot seek God if our hearts are consumed and overwhelmed most of the times by the things that are happening around us. And, and here's something important that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. When everything else but Jesus is getting the spotlight in your life, there is really no room for the gospel to shape your heart. You know, your work gets your spotlight, your family gets your spotlight, your career gets your spotlight, your businesses, your skills, your talents, you know, your, your social circles, your, your, your time on, on Netflix, your time on YouTube, your time on your podcast, everything gets the spotlight in your life, except Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I, I've kept him for Sunday evenings zealous, bro. That's, that's good. The Sunday evenings, two hours is good. Thursday evenings, one and a half hour connect group is good. But when everything else is getting spotlight, there is really no room for the gospel to shape your heart. But when we talk about being Christ followers, we need to admit that there is a problem. We are substituting ourselves for God, either by religion, that is by trying to be your own savior, when you try to obey God's law in your strength, or by irreligion where you're trying to be your own savior, by disobedience to God's law and God's standards. Now, I don't know if you're hearing these things for the first time, but I want to tell you this is what I'm trying to do is lay foundation for the next three weeks over here. So this is key when we are talking about religion, irreligion, and the gospel. Because the gospel changes everything. The gospel opposes, like I said, it opposes religion and it opposes irreligion as well. That is, to be a Christ follower, we, we rely on this solution that we are accepted because of what Jesus has done for us. That's what the gospel helps us understand. Not because of our works, not because of what we can do in our own, in our own good strength, but the gospel message helps you and me understand it is because of the work of Jesus that you and I are saved. And... and because the, the truth is right, I want to kind of emphasize tonight through the elder brother on the religious approaches that we all take in our journey of living as a Christ follower. I'm telling you, all of us, all of us, every single one of us, including me, all of us take religious approaches when we come before Jesus Christ. But can I tell you something? It's time that we allow the gospel to break that down in Jesus' name. It's time that we allow that every religious approach, every religious mindset, every religious pattern, every religious lifestyle will break so that the gospel message can have its whole and full impact over your life. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Because can I say this? Religion is the default mode of the human heart. Religion is the default mode of the human heart. Look at your lifestyles. Look at, uh, look at the way you have done life in the last five to seven years. There are certain things that you mechanically just keep on doing. And unless 
you and i are intentional unless you and i are deliberate to wire our hearts with the gospel message our hearts will continue to operate on the religious principles we have picked up either from our ancestors either from our grandfathers either from our parents either from the systems that you and me do life in we will continue to pick up religious patterns because they're so comfortable because that's been done before whether whether is the right thing or no it's been done before so the easiest thing to do is pick up another religious pattern pick up another religious lifestyle and and start living according to that but the gospel challenges and opposes every religious approach cuz the truth is right if you, if you think i'm confusing you let me kind of break this down for you guys are you guys are you guys okay so far right show fans show of emojis if you guys are okay All right, thank you. Thank you for the assurance. This is when I when I started reading this, uh when I started penning this down actually, uh I was I was so excited because I was like, god, this is has this has been me so many times. We believe in the gospel at one level, but deep down inside we continue to operate with certain mindsets and certain religious patterns. Right? It's easy it's very easy to say I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ because you're saying it with your mouth but the same statement if you have to put it into application in your life is a whole another difference can I can I expose our hearts a bit tonight can I have the permission to do that tonight right okay let's go for this all right I hope you guys still stick around after this I'm going to tell you three a few uh, yeah three scriptural truths to help you to help drive this point all right this is a scriptural truth you and me have read this so many times the bible says that you and me are sons and daughters of the living god come on guys get those emojis going if you have heard that before that's a scriptural truth right you and me are sons and daughters of the living god that's a scriptural truth but here's how we live most of the time we live as spiritual orphans We live as if God has abandoned us. We live as if you and me there is no savior who's going to take care of you, who's going to protect you, who's going to guard you and who's going to make sure that all things will work together for your good if you love Jesus Christ and if he is the Lord and savior of your life. We live as spiritual orphans and we miss out on the communion and and the love of Jesus when we decide to live as spiritual orphans. Okay. Another one. The this is a scriptural truth. Have you ever heard this one before? Do not worry about tomorrow. This is not me making this up. The Bible says that. The Bible says that. Now the good thing is, right? I love how the Bible does not generalize or or kind of categorize certain statements that Jesus made. It doesn't say do not worry about tomorrow in the pre-pandemic era. Right? I love how the Bible says that do not worry about tomorrow. That's it, man. Jesus said it. It's you and me, up to us how we receive that word, believe it and put it into action. Yet, yet, yet we turn we tend to live in constant fear and panic that births even more worry about our tomorrows. And we in in all of that we forget who holds your tomorrow. So let me ask you Zelis who is holding your tomorrow are you going to make a choice to allow worry to hold your tomorrow are you going to make a choice to allow fear to hold your tomorrow are you making a choice by by your disbelief by your worry by your anxiety that all of these things are you giving the permission to hold your tomorrow because Jesus wants to tell you and he has said it already do not worry about your tomorrow I'm going to go on. The scriptural truth says that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and according to his glory. I'm not making this up. This is a Bible again. Yet we are striving. We are running pillar to post to make ends meet without acknowledging and trusting Jesus to be our provider. The assurance that we have as his sons and daughters that he is the God 
who will take care of you. He is the God who will provide for you. Now, I'm not saying be lazy. That's not what I'm saying over here. I'm not saying refuse to work. I'm not saying don't put your brain into action. But sometimes all that we do is go on the extremes of thinking that you and me can make everything happen and forget that it is Jesus who is our Jehovah Jireh. It is he who provides for us. See, all that I just tried to show, show you, just these three examples, most of the times we live according to that and it is a religious approach which becomes the biggest barrier between the gospel and our heart. The biggest barrier is this barrier of religion. The biggest barrier is this barrier of this moralistic approach, of this legalistic approach that we tend to take when we want to approach Jesus. And the older brother we see in this story who exposes the hard religious patterns that we've all held on and lived according to these lives. See, the sin of religion, morality, and self-righteousness is a tough one to spot. Is a tough one to spot. It's so easy to, to, to spot habitual sins in our lives, right? It's, it's so easy to spot the obvious wrongs in our life. But can I say, religiosity sometimes is tough to spot. Self-righteousness is tough to spot. A legalistic approach in every season is tough to spot. And, and, and I want to use the, 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 elder, the older brother as a reference and see how God helps us see certain patterns that we see in the older brother. And I believe tonight, Jesus would break those religious mindsets and would break those religious patterns in our life that have been the biggest barrier to allow your hearts to be shaped by the gospel. So I want to give you a few of the older brother scenarios that we're going to be looking in, in these few verses. Because these lifestyles and these perspectives of a religious approach are deeply rooted in our lives. Until we address them and allow Jesus to deal with these mindsets, our lives will never be fully impacted by the gospel. So are you ready? Let's go for this. This is the, this is the last one I've been, I've been wanting to build this up so that we can get this few things really sorted in our hearts. The first one is anger and control. The first one is anger and control. And if you, if you see verse 28 in Luke 15, verse 28, this is what it says. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. Go in where? Go in where the party was happening. Go in where they were celebrating the return of the younger brother. He refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. And I want to tell you, one of the signs of a self-righteous and a moral person is a feeling that God owes me. God owes me and, and he owes me a good and a comfortable life if I live up to his standards. Yeah, I give financially, I tithe, I pray, I fast, I attend church every Sunday even when the pastor is not there, I'm there. You know what I'm saying? You know, there's this legalistic, moralistic approach that our hearts will be kind of default falling into. I did this. I did this for you, God. I did it for you. I did it for you. And, and sometimes you feel that if you, if you have been, the, the problem with this thinking is that if you continue lead to anger, whenever your life takes up, you turn, tend to fall towards anger when your life continually takes a bad turn. If you feel you have been living right according to your standards, you will be angry with God if things don't go your way. How many of us have done that? How many of us have, have been in this place where you're like, God, you just don't get it. That's it. I, I give up, God. You just don't get it. You have been disappointed with God, you have been angry with God, you have been frustrated with God because you think and I think that God owes us just because we gave our hearts to Him. <clears throat> See, either way, whether if you feel you've been living right or if you feel, if you feel you've been living right, you're going to be angry at God. 
If you feel you're not living right according to the standards that you have set for yourself, you're going to be angry at yourself. Either way, your life will be filled with anger because you have been trying to control God through your goodness. You have been trying to control God through your morality. You have been trying to control God through the lens of what you think is right and what you think is wrong. And then, there's this birthing of this anger and we want to control everything. The other one is this, it, it leads to this, this, this feeling of anger and control leads to this mechanical obedience. You know, mechanical obedience, is, there's, there's no joy in it. There's no, there's no sense of passion. There's no sense of reverence. There's no sense of this awe towards the presence of the living God. It's just mechanical obedience. If you see verse 29 in, in the same chapter, this is what the, elder, the older brother says to his father. He says, he answered, to his father he said look all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends see the older brother is treating his father as an instrument as he, he's treating his father as a means to an end I have a question for you guys and it's going to come up in chat now I, will read, I want you to read this question and, and before you answer think for a few seconds alright is Jesus just a means to your end or is he your absolute delight? Is Jesus just a means to your end or is he your absolute delight? Because sometimes we live just to get things from God. Our obedience is just to get something out of Him. Our, our worship is just to please Him for that particular season of our life. Our, our, our prayers are just so, that, just so that it's an expectation that is laid out, so I need to do it. And that's another religious approach that our minds and our hearts keep taking. The aim of a Christ follower is not to get a better life or a better comfort, but the prime aim is to get Jesus. The prime aim of a Christ follower is not to get the blessings, is not to get another house, is not to get another car, is not to get those materialistic blessings, another job, a better future. All that is fine, but the main prime goal of a Christ follower is to get Jesus. Jesus. And mechanical, joyless obedience will never guarantee that. You know, another, so, so we've seen anger, we've seen, we've, seen this me, we've seen this mechanical obedience. The other most obvious religious pattern that we notice is this coldness for the lost. Is this coldness for the lost. W what do I mean by that? All of us have this coldness towards our younger brother types. What, what, what I'm saying is, especially when you and me have experienced the goodness of God, when we have experienced the grace Sometimes we really don't think there's any need to evangelize. We really don't see the need to talk about the hope that you have encountered in Jesus. We don't see the need to talk about the love of Christ. We don't see the need to talk about the future that is coming up. We don't see the need to talk about the plans that God has laid out for entire eternity for humanity. We never talk about the good news of Jesus. Because we, we are like, man, I don't know. I, I don't know if this fellow will be ready. I don't know if this fellow will be even willing to listen. Because here's the thing. If you understand the gospel, you will always treat others with hope. You will always treat others with hope. You will always treat others with hope. There's this deep desire and a hunger to see your friends, your loved ones, and your social circles encounter the person of Jesus and not perish. Encounter the person of Jesus and not perish. And I don't want to kind of uh, jump on and just kill you one last one. Is that we, when we are living as a, as, as a religious approach and with a religious mindset, there's, we, are, we, we don't realize this, but we are being so judgmental and unforgiving most of the times. The elder brother 
found it really hard to forgive the younger brother for what he had done. He found it so hard because, because of his entitlement mindset, because of his religious mindset. He found it so hard to, to forgive the, the, the younger brother. And a religious heart lacks these two things. First, we lack emotional humility. The second, we lack emotional wealth. We, we lack emotional humility when you say that, okay, I'm not different. We look at the sinner and say that, okay, I'm never going to do that. Uh, oh, that's his problem. That's not mine. I, I'm too good to fall into those kind of sins, man. Like, I, I'm, I'm never going to do that. The grace of God protects me. And we have this condescending tone towards the people who are different from us. We have this condescending tone towards people who don't believe what you believe. We have this condescending tone as a self-righteousness that says that, okay, I'm going to heaven, you're going to hell. We lack emotional humility. We lack emotional wealth when we realize that the same gospel that has saved us and the same gospel who has saved us is the same gospel who will save that other person who you're almost giving up on it's hard it's hard it's hard i know sometimes people can irritate you people can 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 sometimes be uh, really they don't get along with you but i'm telling you jesus died for the person who you are really mad at even. Jesus died for that person. The gospel is even for that person. Even the ones you have not been able to fully forgive. Even the ones who, who, who have hurt you. Who have condemned you. Who have meant all kinds of evil for you. The gospel is still for that person. So can we. When all these patterns keep surfacing up this is the religious mindset that the gospel intends to break and i just want to wrap this up i want to tell you that these 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 mindsets will only be broken with an authentic response to the gospel this mindset will be broken not when you try to follow jesus with your own efforts this mindset will be broken when you put into practice the gospel message and, and, and we create the space, we need to create the space in our lives where we can put the gospel message into practice. And there are two ways of how we can do that. Because the gospel hinges on these two, uh, two important truths. One is faith and one is repentance. It's like the same, the two sides of the same coin called the gospel is faith and repentance. See, biblical repentance always involves believing in the gospel. Biblical repentance always involves believing in the gospel. Repentance that, 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 that does not really help you turn away from, it helps you turn away from the effort of being your own savior and it helps you focus on Jesus Christ who is your true savior. And any repentance that does not flow out of Christ is not biblical repentance. If your repentance is not leading you to Jesus, if your repentance is birthing more condemnation, more guilt, more shame in your life, I want to tell you that is not biblical repentance. Because if you genuinely repent, if you fully believe in Jesus and repent, it will always take you to Jesus. Because biblical repentance births faith in our hearts. And that faith, when it's put into practice, is when you and I start applying the gospel to our hearts. So stop trying to be your own savior. Stop trying to please God with your behavioral patterns. Stop trying to please God with your religious approaches. Stop trying to please God because you think you attend church, you're going to be good with God. God doesn't need that. God wants your heart. He needs your heart. Can somebody type it in chat? He needs my heart. He needs, Jesus needs your heart. And you must let the gospel sink down, sink down deeply into your hearts until it changes your motivations and until it changes your attitudes. Because a new, the faith in the gospel, this is what it does. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up by just these last few things. Faith in the gospel, it really restructures our motivations. That's what faith in the gospel does. Faith in the gospel uh, realigns our perspectives. Faith in the gospel re restructures our self-understanding, our identity. Because let me tell you, 
If you have been reading the Bible, if you have been attending church gatherings, if you have been singing worship songs, and if you have been taking our time to worship and, and do all the Christian things, yet if there is no really, there's no true change in your hearts, in your motivations, in, your, in the way how you see people, in the way how you see certain perspectives, you're, you're going this whole circle because you have not allowed the gospel to penetrate your heart. Because a new lifestyle that we are talking about, the gospel makes an impact on that new lifestyle. Faith in the gospel changes our hearts. Faith in the gospel changes our hearts. So I want to take this time to really ask you this simple question. What is the religious mindset that you want Jesus to break tonight? What is the religious approach that you have been holding on to so dearly which has become a barrier for you to even apply the gospel in your life? Is it unforgiveness? Is it anger? Is it this sense to control everything? Is it this desire to, to kind of, you know, have this, have this know-it-all attitude? Is it this pattern where, where you are so unforgiving, where you are so quick to judge and cast judgment that there's no room for love? I don't know what the religious mindset or the religious pattern you are holding on to, but I know this for sure. If you continue to hold on to it, there's never going to be room for the authentic gospel to shape your heart. There's never going to be room for the Holy Spirit to work through your life, through your heart, and bring out the new identity that Jesus wants to carve. If you allow the Holy Spirit to chisel out these habits, to chisel out these, these mindset, to break those patterns, to break those lifestyle changes, that's when you allow the gospel to penetrate your heart. I want to just ask every single person over here on this call and those who are watching on YouTube as well. Can we allow the Holy Spirit to really shape you, to shape our heart? Can we allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts? Like the psalmist said, search my heart, oh God. Search my heart, oh God. Can this be the prayer of zealous tonight? Come on, every single person, can we say this? God, can you search my heart? I allow you, Jesus, to take a look at the religious patterns that I've, I've been holding on to so dearly. I think, I thought religion would save me, but the gospel saves you. I thought my good deeds would save me. I thought being a part of a church would save me, but the truth is, Jesus is the savior of your life. And he can only be the savior when he can cut through the religious mindsets and the patterns of your hearts. We're so glad you've been listening in. If you'd like to know more about us, follow us on Insta at Zealous Pune or visit us online at zealous.community.